Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel. Starring Ryan Panagos as Marvel's Agent M, joined by Ben Morse, Marvel.com senior editor. We also have intern Alex Lopez. I think that'd be like featuring, because <laughs> yeah. he's not he's not on the. It's like Saturday Night Live where they have the starring and featuring. Do you remember the the episode of the State where they did the credits? Yes, like uh, a wacky mm-hmm. show, and it's like it was and, great. Like uh, Joe Latrulio, and yeah. he's like, Ooh. And there, yeah, because there was a lot of like turns, like oh, I didn't realize yeah. the camera was on me, like that <laughs> like, classic pointing. move. Yes, oh, yes, so good. Yes. Do you think? Since What Hot American Summer is coming to Netflix this summer, yes. uh, the next step is they'll do a new season of The State. I, w- I would literally would die. It? I would die. Well, then you wouldn't get to see it. Would you I watch would be it? reborn. Would you like watch a it? Phoenix. Would you watch it from heaven? Yeah. All the time. Where it's, where As it's, if I'm going there. Right. Where it's already available. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, they have so they have so many extra seasons. They oh, have my God. The full CBS series. Yeah. What, in heaven? Yeah. <laughs> In, in my version of in heaven, your, I could just heaven, watch 20 seasons of the state. But they're also constantly producing new content. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there you go. There's your heavy theological discussion for <laughs> this episode of the podcast. Uh, yeah, so this is episode number 178. This Ooh, is the official Marvel seems podcast. Seems like only yesterday. Yeah, official Marvel podcast. Well, news, new releases, action, adventure, and uh, coffee, which I feel like I'm yeah, getting mainline. I'm it. juiced up right now. You seem it. Yeah. It's good. I like it. I like uh, hyped up Ryan. Well, I went to the gym. I got up early, yep. went to the gym, and Look at you. You know, I did like you know 45 minutes at the gym, mm-hmm. and I was leaving the gym, and I was like, I feel like I want to run more. Which was, wow. I was like, that feels it's counter, good. It's counterintuitive. Yeah. But sure, yeah, so that's, that's good. a good thing. It's good. Speaking of running, yes. uh, one thing, uh, we would, we'll get to it in the news, but there's mm-hmm. uh, the new uh, next Avengers half marathon weekend yep. is um, sort of getting out there. So we'll talk about that. Yeah. We'll um, have actually more on it next week, too, on the site. Cole sweet. Horton, our boy Cole, is putting together a cool little uh, what you need to know and also his personal aspects since he'll be running it and I believe are you gonna be running it? You as better well? believe it. So we'll be tracking that. It's not till November, but sign ups start very soon. Yeah. And you're gonna wanna start prepping. Because uh, here's the thing, Alex Lopez, you can't just decide to run a half marathon and then just go do it. No sir. It takes a lot of training and prep work. The only part did you ever you watch the CM Punk documentary? Yes. Uh, where he says like hit one of his sisters was Running the mar- the Chicago Marathon, so he came home and he just decided to run it with her. I vaguely remember, and I was that. just like, "Yeah, I guess you you're in that, if you're in that good enough shape, you could do something like that." Yeah, if you're CM Punk, you can do it. Yeah, none of us are CM Punk. No, um, no. Alex, you're not. No Definitely not. I'm starting to try to look like him with his scruffy <laughs> Blake Garris wannabe beard. He's really trying to look a lot like Blake. Have you noticed that? Yeah, 100%. They spent a lot of time together. I think it's great. I think Blake's a fine mentor. He's been teaching Alex the ropes, and I think, uh, you know, he's, it's, he could do worse. He could aspire to worse levels. Definitely. Agreed. Agreed. All right, enough of us uh, jabbering away. we got a Twim URC to get to this week. we got a lot of cool news. We have a guest in the second half of the podcast, if he's not busy. Um, so let's talk about the new comics that came out this week. A lot of final issues this week that I didn't know were final issues. So that was a bit of a, a curveball, a twist, if you will. What's a twist? But uh, the first one was All New Ghost Rider number 12. The final issue of All New Ghost Rider wraps up uh, the run of Felipe Smith, who did both story and art, with a little assist from Chris Anka. 
emotional book. This is a really cool book. I am glad. I think Felipe got to tell his full story, and certainly he's not done with these characters. But this does put a bow on Robbie's internal struggle with Eli Morrow, the serial killer crazy Satanist who's been living inside his head. Eli has put um, Robbie's younger brother into danger, Gabe, and Robbie has to decide how he's going to handle this. Um, is he going to give in to Eli? Is he going to work with him? Is he going to become a true ghost rider? Um, some creepy stuff with Gabe. Some great art from both Chris and Felipe. Just some wild stuff. I'm really... I said it when it first started. I stand by it. I think his evolution's been great. I like Robbie Reyes as a Marvel Universe mainstay. I think he has a different take on the classic teen hero. Uh, he's so unlike anything we've had before with his background, with his responsibilities. And now that we've had 12 issues of him kind of finding himself and meeting Johnny Blaze and figuring out what his deal is with Eli, I definitely want to see more of him moving out into the Marvel Universe. Uh, I know he's going to be part of Ghost Racers in some sort of fashion in Secret Wars, but more Robbie Reyes, hopefully, to come. I would I would like to see more of it. Totes. Okay, me again? Yeah, go for you, it. You like started, and I was like, all right, man, I'm going to let you go, but no, it's me. Um, Amazing X-Men, number 18, was phenomenal. Did you read this yet? I have I not read, read it yet. Okay. Four issues I haven't read. This is one you're going to want to read. Uh, written by Chris Yost in his finest hour. Um, art by Jorge Fornes. Uh, this is the Once and Future Juggernaut. And uh, let me Wait, some... I did read that. Did you read this? I did read that. Okay, this is really good, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it starts out with, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. as of last issue, the living monolith has become the Juggernaut. Yes. So I guess you call him the living Juggernaut. Yes. He's this giant... Juggernaut. So right from the start, he's stalking through and like causing destruction and everything. And, and you feel like, oh, it's just going to be an all-action issue. They're going to attack this giant guy. But then the best possible thing, the most unexpected possible thing, is that Storm just basically decides she's she's tired. Yeah, she's like, she's like this is, oh, I don't want to do this. I ain't having this. So she just sits down. And what follows is the most glorious next few pages of the X-Men just doing banter. And it's some of the best banter I have read in so long. I, I'm not just I'm, I'm going to look for highlights. I don't want to read all of it. Like Storm saying like, I'm tired of being in a foul mood. I'm a joyful person. Or Kurt talking about like back when they used to dance. Or man, Colossus going through. Firestar. Firestar talking about the biggest uh, bad guy that the, <sighs> the New Warriors ever faced with the Sphinx. And then asks Northstar, who, who's the biggest thing Alpha Flight ever fought? The Great Beast. Perhaps you recall we fought them last <laughs> week. <laughs> Stuff like that throughout. Iceman is great. Uh, Juggernaut, old school Juggernaut. Kane Marco is great because he gives them a hard time about like Iceman says something like they're like, man, how do you beat the Juggernaut? Iceman's like, call Spider Man, and Juggernaut goes or Kane Marco goes on Sancho to like, he cheated and he did this and this and that. It's just so it's just this for pages and pages, and the living monolith is starting to get pissed off. He's like, what? What? Why are you ignoring me? Fight me. I'm huge. Fight me. So then the second half of the issue is them fighting, and it's a great fight. And Geraldo, uh, Jorge Fornes draws it really good, and Colossus has a crazy plan, and him and Juggernaut have to go do this deal with Sidorak, and the issue ends with this awesome kind of turn of events. Uh, it's just, I loved it. That those, those pages of them just talking, I was like, I could read a whole book of just Chris Yost writing the X-Men sitting around talking. It was yeah. so funny, but also so, like, kind of inside baseball of, like, just X-Men stuff. 
just like, oh, yeah, this is referring back to this. I, I loved it. It's so great. Good. I cannot speak highly enough of it. Indeed. All right. Big number one issue. We got Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, number one. It's the next uh, series in our Disney Kingdoms line. Uh, so what that means is it is based on concepts and ideas from Disney Parks and Imagineering, uh, which this one is obviously based off of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, which is my favorite ride in either Walt Disney World or Disneyland. I don't love Big Thunder Mountain, I the will, ride. I will throw you out of this I'm room. I'm giving you an explanation. Calm yourself. Because when I was a kid, I was, you know, a small, wiry shrimp of a boy. And uh, Big Mountain Railroad, like, generally any roller coaster, like, when they put the little restrainers down, were terrible for me because I was not, like, big enough to be held back. And I'm talking, like, even by the point down, I was, like, 10. So... Any real roller coaster that like kind of violently moves you side to side, I would just get messed up by it. So Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, when I was a kid, I just went and I just got tossed around so mercilessly. Then I went back on as an adult and I really enjoyed it. Okay. So there was a there was a happy end. Good, good. Um, they've recently redone it in Disneyland, and it's even cooler. How recent? Uh, within the last year, year oh, and a okay, half. Never mind. Yeah, that was the last one I went to was at Disneyland, but gotcha. that was a while ago. Uh, anyway, it's the coolest ride, my favorite. Uh, and there's lots of little, you know, things as you're riding it. And, you know, you see, like, the goat and you see the guy in the bathtub and all that stuff. Yeah. So uh, reading this, I was like, oh, man, they threw all the best Easter eggs in here. Uh, it's written by Dennis Hopeless, art by Teague Walker, and uh, colors by Fr- um, Francois Bellu. Jean-Francois Jean Bellu. Jean-Francois Bellu. The same. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's cool because it's putting uh, – a bigger story to what, you know, you get a little bit of it, uh, the, the, you know, wildest ride in the wilderness yeah. uh, when you ride it. But this really gives you, uh, you know, a couple characters to latch on to. Abigail Bullion, whose dad runs the mining town. For those of you who don't know, Bullion means gold. Gold bullion. Gold bullion. I don't know if it means gold. It doesn't I mean, mean it's just like a measure of gold, yeah, right? It's, like it's something how many or gold type of gold. Know. We don't know anything do, about gold. It has something to do with gold. Yeah, we don't work We're in, not metallurgists. We don't work in gold. We're not money people. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so it's cool. You know, this is set in 18-odd uh, 78. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's got that... Old West feel. It's funny. Uh, we've got a great lead character in Abigail. We've got, you know, this dashing rogue who gets introduced in the book. We've got uh, just danger at every turn. It's a super fun book. And uh, if you love the rides, which uh, you better, uh, yeah. it's terrific. I really enjoyed it. I am really impressed with these books we do based on rides, you know, the one we did on Figment and whatnot, that... Uh, can come up with a whole world just around a ride, and I liked Big Thunder Mountain a lot. I really liked Abigail. She was an awesome. She's an awesome character. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more from that. That that that, that already first issue in is my fa- favorite uh, Disney Kingdom book. Nice. I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's terrific. Uh, up next, we've got Daredevil number 14, written by Mark Wade, art by Chris Somney, and colors by Matt Wilson. Uh, this one is this is a big moment for pretty our boy. Pretty significant and pretty. Hilarious. Yeah, so uh, Matt Murdock moved out to San Francisco because of all the shenanigans yep. that went down in New York. He's going to WrestleMania this weekend. Yeah, he's to- dude. He better be at WrestleMania. Would, would Daredevil enjoy WrestleMania? Uh, I feel like it would be too no, loud. It'd just be overwhelming. He wouldn't yeah. be able to see too loud, too smelly. Yeah, I don't think he could like 
sense what's going on in the ring unless he was like right up close. He'd have to be in the ring, and even then, it would still be distracting. Daredevil would hate WrestleMania. Yeah, too much the pyro when that goes off. I don't like it. When it would it goes be a off. nightmare for him. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back to the matter at hand. Uh, so he's in San Francisco. His identity is known. And he's like, you know what? Screw this. Yeah. I'm going to own this. Uh, I'm just going full on into being Matt Murdock, being Daredevil. Everybody knows it. Let it happen. So he gets a new look, uh, hmm. a new bit of swagger. Yeah. Uh, with Kirsten McDuffie is sort of just like, oh, God, why? I think she's very over him. Yeah. I mean, but, she's still into him, yeah. but also over him. Into it and over it. Yep. Uh, and, you know, there's there's this great moment where Matt's playing, uh, like, doing some batting practice, mm-hmm. which I don't remember ever seeing that kind of thing explored before. No. And I thought it was really clever and really cool Yeah. Uh, how that – Although I did think the, the, like, kind of bully pitcher was like, ah, this blind guy's never going to hit me. Like, yeah. doesn't he – he knows who this guy is. Yeah. He know he's made it clear like he's Daredevil. Like, yes, obviously he can hit your basketball. He has powers. Yeah. Well, you know. Dummy. Sucker's born every minute. Yep. Am I right? Carney. Yeah. That's what PT Barnum said, right? Yep. Uh but there's you know, there's this great moment where uh Matt has to hitch a ride with like some locals and they're like they know who he is and they're fans, they want to take a selfie with him. Yep. All this leads to uh the introduction of a new character, mm-hmm. uh villain, hero. To, remains to be I seen. Did she, she get a name? She gets a weird name. Does she? Yeah, I figure what it is. Uh, Clackleplack? I think it's Jubala something. Uh, I don't know if that's her real name or her, if that's her code she name. She says, my name is Jubala Pride. Yeah. I, I'm the owl's daughter. Right. Uh, so she's I had to look up to see if Jubala is like an owl-related word or if it's just a name. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she's got a cool costume. Very cool. She's uh, violent and a great fighter. And a really cool uh, foil for Matt throughout this issue, uh, which they're basically on a chase uh, looking for her dad, looking for some some secrets that they're dealing with. And uh, it all kind of comes together by the last couple pages with a big twist. But if you've been reading the book, uh, it's not it's not surprising, mm-hmm. but it's still pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, another great issue of Daredevil. These guys are killing it. Yeah. All right. You're uh, on a run here. I am. So I'm, you're going to get me for the next 25 minutes. Yep. Uh, we've got Darth Vader, number three, by Kieran Gillen, Salvador La Roca, and Edgar Delgado. Uh, another amazing issue of a Star Wars comic. Like, right. These guys are killing it. Like Salva, especially, it's just work of his career, so friggin' good. This is cool, too, because this is really the type of thing you want to see from Star Wars comics where it's like, okay, this is something that would have been cool if we had infinite time in the movie to show, yeah. but we didn't, and it's basically Darth Vader putting together his own, like, it's such a comic book-y thing, too. This is, like, this is his reverse, like, Star Wars heroes team. Yeah. Like, I have the counter of all the good guys, which yeah. is such a comic book I like to think of him putting together his Ocean's Eleven type team. I mean, that, too, but Space it's definitely... Space Ocean's Eleven. Star Ocean's but, Eleven. But he definitely has his, like, evil C-3PO and his evil yeah, you, R2-D2. You spoiled it. We haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> well, you're going to get to it. I know, it. but first right, we've whatever. got Dr. Um, Doctor Afra, who's yeah. this great, you know, she's like a thief. She's a brilliant roboticist and all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, and she's morally ambiguous. Uh, and she's trying to steal something because it could be a crazy weapon. And Vader uh, both stops her and saves her, uh, which leads to some craziness. And she's all kind of like in awe of him, mm-hmm. uh, which even more so when she's trying to figure something out with this thing that she stole. And he just steps up and he's like, hold on a second. He's like, I'm a super hacker. Yeah, he's like, he's like, hack the planet. Zero cool. 
total zero cool, does what he does, and she's like, oh, you're awesome. Yeah. Uh, I want to be you. Yeah, you're the best. Uh, but they then uh, create the evil C-3PO. Yeah. Uh, they bring him back to life, who's actually, his name is Triple Zero. There you go. Yeah. So awesome. I He's love great. this character. If you've read, if you've played um, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, there are, uh, there's this droid character, this really, uh, like, this murderous droid character that was sarcastic and f- just super funny, uh, wanted to do terrible things. Really, really great character. Uh, remind this triple zero reminds me that uh, of that character just a little mm. bit spiritually, and I'm sure Kieran, being a big gamer, yeah. uh, did that not intentionally, and it was cool. I love it, love, love, love it. And then we get, uh, you know, you got you have C3PO, you yeah. got to have R2D2. So we get um, a, a homicidal droid yeah. who was basically shut down for a while because he was too dangerous. Too dangerous. Too dangerous. Uh, his name is BT1. So we've got Triple Zero and BT1, my new favorite characters. <laughs> they need their own really violent cartoon. Uh, I need more, more, more of them. Uh, but this is Vader. Now he's got, you know, he's got his droids. He's got his awesome, you know, roboticist thief lady. And he's got to go. <laughs> There's this great line, uh, this great last page. She's like, hey, do you, you want to go to Geonosis? Or do you have any, you know, familiar with it? Mm-hmm. And he, there's this beat of him like, Thinking about how he wants to, you know, a- approach that question, and so it's like I have no feelings. What is what is that? To that him? is the uh, planet from Revenge of the Sith, where Revenge of the Sith, yeah, the third, the third yeah, so where he like got burned, yeah, where they, where oh, uh, Obi Wan left him for dead. That was a big one, guys. Yeah, that was uh, a big moment for him. Really, really great. Like, wow. just chock full of amazing stuff in this issue. No. If you're not reading Darth Vader, you're Doing comics. So if you're not reading Darth Vader, riding Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, yeah. just like get out, get out, get give up, out. You're doing now. life wrong. Yeah. Uh, all right. Up next, we got Deadpool number forty-four. This uh, issue is titled Soul Coffin. Yeah. Which uh, I thought was very funny because there was a band called Soul Coughing, and I was like, Is Jerry? Are Jerry and Brian just being cheeky with that one? And I like to think so. Anyway, written by Brian Posehn and Jerry Duggan, art by Salva Espin, who another artist just absolutely murdering Deadpool. every issue. Yep. Uh, colors by Val Staples. Uh, this wraps up, you know, Deadpool's foray into Wazarabad and dealing with Omega Red. Yeah, uh, he has found this, uh, you know, this temple with. All these coffins, these glass coffins, just like the one that Shikla came out of. And then he's like, calls her up. He's like, "Hey, I got all this stuff. You should like probably the, get that." Sorry, I just have a note that Ryan's making the like yeah. hand phone thing yep. as he talks. Yep. Like he has a fake phone in his hand. That's great. Ring, ring. That's what makes you the best in the biz, right? When it comes, like I, when it comes I get to into this. it. Yeah. Uh, so we've got you know he calls Shikla to come you know see what's up. Uh, Omega Red finds him, tracks him down, and then there's this great couple pages with. Uh, Deadpool and Omega Red fighting and talking mm-hmm. that is just fantastic. It really is kind of the culmination of everything Jerry and Brian have been yep. doing with Deadpool over this run from him finding out more about his true origins to him becoming Zenpool. It all is coming together, but there's just one missing piece which they keep alluding to. One thing he doesn't know yeah. that uh, I assume he's going to find out at some point. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. But this is like... What they've done to Deadpool as a character mm-hmm. is 
leaps just and bounds. incredible. Like yeah. his character, what they've built over the last you know two three years, whatever it is, just amazing. Three. Yeah, I, I think it speaks a lot to something like when you see a story like Axis and Deadpool's able to be a big part of it is a lot because of you know all due respect to everyone who's done great work on Deadpool in the past, Jerry and Brian have really brought him into this place where he can be a fully immersed character in the Marvel Universe. Because, you know, in a lot of other events, he would show up sort of as comic relief. He was able to play a main role in Axis because they've made him so fully realized, Yep, I think. Yeah, 100%. Uh, there's a great interaction between Shikla and Omega Red, mm. which is uh, funny. And then, you know, we get to the Bone Zone. Yeah, uh, they get, the Bone Zone gets visited yeah. in this issue of Deadpool. It wouldn't be a proper week without somebody getting get to the bone, the bone zone. zone. Got to get in there. Yeah. Get to the zone, the bone, bone zone. zone. Uh, and so, you know, really great It sounds stuff. like Discovery Zone or something, but it's <laughs> so inappropriate for kids. Uh, and then so the, the episode and uh, the issue ends with a whole bunch of stuff like, like beat, 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 beat of wah, ha, wah, ha, wah, yeah. ha. And you're like, craziness is about to uh, come to everybody who's part of this book because – yeah. The next issue is Deadpool number 250, entitled It All Goes Wrong. It All Goes uh, Wrong. And following along, that is the uh, um, the death of Deadpool. That is the death of Deadpool. Yeah. Um, and that is where Ultimatum strikes. Mm-hmm. I like that Ultimatum is a big deal in this book. Just want to throw that out there. For sure. Is and I'll have more to talk about Ultimatum later in this uh, podcast. That's a, that's a foreshadowing. You don't know where. What? Huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> Exactly. It's going to be a surprise to you. Wow. Um, Deathlock number six, written by Nathan Edmondson, art by Mikey Perkins. This is the Deathlock book I've been waiting for since they started this. I think this really turned a corner with the last issue where uh, Deathlock finally realized Henry Hayes finally woke up. And he knows he's Deathlock now. And he knows that he's being controlled by this organization. So this issue is Henry Hayes going about what we've seen him doing in the first five issues, being sent on a mission, but he's actually interacting with his handler now, and his handler is just like, oh, God. Like, this is the worst possible thing that could happen. Uh, I don't know how to handle this. I feel really... Because like, she's just basically this this uh, this office drone who does have feelings and, like, felt kind of bad about the fact that she's playing this guy as if he's a video game, but was kind of like, eh, all right, whatever, it's my job. And now he's awake and talking to her, and she's just like scrambling trying to justify but also trying to keep him alive saying you can't do this you can't do that so now as opposed to just seeing this mindless deathlock killing machine going off and doing stuff you now have henry hayes being like wait why do i have to do this wait there are people to save over there and they're going like listen if you do anything they're going to kill your daughter and then there's stuff going on with his daughter that really highlights like how creepy this group he's working for is and at the same time shield is investigating but Mike Perkins' art is great. Andrew Troy's colors are beautiful and lush, and I'm really digging into Henry Hayes as a character now. It was hard in the first few issues to get into him because he was basically like, okay, I'm into his home life, then he gets shut off, and there's there's no impact on him. Now that he can actually feel this mission, it was a cool slow burn that they built to, and now I'm invested, and now I want to see where it goes. Electra number 11 is the final issue of Electra. Written by Hayden Blackman, art by Mike Del Mundo, similar to All New Ghost Rider. I think this is a really cool, bigger story that obviously Elektra is an established character, but gave her a new place in the Marvel Universe. And by the end of this issue, she has a new role in the Marvel Universe that I'd like to see followed up on. But of course, um, 
Del Mundo's art continues to be phenomenal. He's got crazy great stuff coming up. He's going to be doing Weird World. Hayden Blackman's going on to Master of Kung Fu. We get a big showdown, as there needed to be, between Elektra and Bullseye here. The hand is in the mix. It's crazy fight scenes. It's violence. Uh, it's twists and turns as far as who's working for who, who has the power position. A lot of dialogue from Blackman between Elektra and Bullseye expanding on their relationship and like i said it leaves electra in a potentially interesting place and has a nice farewell from sana who edited it from hayden and from mike del mundo all talking about where they want to go next um so hopefully this is not the last we've seen of electra by these creators right all right real quick we have to address the fact that we did not receive a copy of guardians 3000 number six written by dan abnett uh art by gerardo sandoval uh, our our main man who gets us all our comics uh, sent us an email earlier this week apologizing, but the long and short of it is we can't summarize it because we haven't read it yet. I'm sure there's some cool stuff with Charlie 27, and uh, I bet... Hope there's some gender switching by some of the characters maybe, in this issue. Maybe Starhawk becomes a guy and a girl a couple times. Uh, I love that. Yondu probably shoots some folks. Yep. So, yeah, the book's awesome. We will briefly touch on it next week, but we got nothing for you this week. Go buy it anyways. But speaking of Guardians, we've got a huge number 25, (laughs) issue 25, big holographic cover. I'm actually surprised in doing it because Bendis is one of the guys who I think adheres to that number 25 has to be a big deal convention like he did it with Uncanny X-Men, he did it with all new X-Men. Well, this is a big deal It's a big issue, issue. but it's not an anniversary. Sure. But this is a huge issue. So it's uh, part seven of the Black Vortex, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Valerio Schitti, and um, the colors are by Jason Keith. Uh, so everything is sort of going crazy in space. Uh, it starts off by Gamora and Beast sort of having this talk. Beast is basically figured out that he is the problem. Mm-hmm. Finally, he has come to some clarity in his oh, life. Finally. And... Uh, so then we get this giant splash page that Valerio just absolutely kills. It's one of Bendis loves doing timelines, and so you take oh, yeah. this timeline. Oh yeah. You take the idea of oh a cool timeline, and you turn it into a three dimensional giant thing that um, that Beast sees now that he's powered up by the Black Vortex. And it's just chock full of really awesome little Easter eggs and yep. various things like the history of the X-Men basically laid out in this weird cosmological timeline. Venice loved timelines. Hickman loves charts. Yeah. Who loves which more? Whew. I don't know. I think... I'm going to go Bendis. I'm going to go Hickman. Okay. Hickman works charts into everything. Yep. Bendis will bust out a timeline once in a while, and he loves it. And he'll dig into it. But Hickman is like, you're not going to go a Hickman issue without a chart. You know what, though? Yeah. No matter what, we win. Yeah. Because I win. love seeing that stuff. I, I do, too. I'm a huge geek for all that yeah. stuff. It's great. Uh, Alex so, is a huge geek, too. Yeah, total geek. Uh, geek in the old school, like, Freddie Blassie sense, though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so sure. we go to Hala. Um, Hala. Thank you. And uh, we've got, you know, a, a group of our heroes trying to convince the supreme intelligence that they need the black vortex in order to fix their friends to do this to do that supreme intelligence is like look i got like a couple million billion people in my head that make me who i am this is the same deal he did last week and four of them say screw you he gives them double middle fingers and tells them to get on their way while that's going down our heroes are mind linked and they're 
you know, plotting and planning. And there's this great Captain Marvel scene where she rears up and punches Supreme Intelligence right in the in the what would be his face, but yep. it's the the glass case that holds him. And she says, "I won't lie. I kind of always wanted to do this." Who Cracks doesn't? the case. Yep. Uh, so awesome. Then giant fight as all the accusers battle our heroes at this at the same time. Nova, boom. Leaves with the Black Vortex, tries to get out of there. He's being chased. Um, there's this moment where, you know, Supreme Intelligence is like, Accusers, stop! <laughs> Go after him! Stop yeah. fighting! Uh, that's my Supreme <laughs> your Intelligence audition, Your yeah. audition for the Supreme Intelligence? Yeah, just in case we want to put it somewhere. Yeah. Hey! Uh, all that's going on. Jean Grey gets to bust it's out like that like weird, disturbed Jerry Seinfeld. Like, what's the deal <laughs> I mean, with Hala? That's the way I've always perceived... <laughs> Supreme Intelligence. He's like Jerry Seinfeld. But Seinfeld like would be a great Supreme really Intelligence. Really freaked out. Yeah. Uh, we've got this crazy battle now going on Hala. Then one of the Slaughter Lords rolls up, boom, shoots our boy in the back of the neck. Yeah. Shoots Nova, knocks his it's helmet a real off. punk move. Oh, oh, Slaughter Lords are such jerks. Boom, in flies Mr. Knife and his giant scary ship of doom. Yeah. Uh, this, like, this book started out in like, really calm like conversation yep and then you know like uh, a moment where they're addressing this you know giant head and then explodes into madness uh throughout it's really really great uh and then mr knife says you know like his plan all along is basically being a total ass and trying to destroy all his enemies so he can get a tighter grip on the universe on the galaxy uh by and how he does that here well he's waited for the opportune moment and boom just starts shooting at Hala. Hala. And it's just, there's this two-page splash with missiles coming down. The way the panels are laid out, it's just so gorgeous. Like, Valerio's so Valerio's good. Valerio Skitty's really good, man. I mean, really we've been talking good. about him for a long time now. We've and talked to him. Yeah. He's a wonderful man. He just keeps, it's like, keeping, just getting better and better. Our heroes try and get off the planet. Uh, well, all this is going down, the, um, the Hala is gone. Yeah. Like I, there's no, no other holla. way to say it. There's this giant two-page splash. A lot of two-page splashes. In yeah, is this an exercise issue? It, I think it feels feels bigger. Yeah, it's five bucks. All so, right, so it was uh, a yeah. 25th yeah. issue. Yeah. yeah, see, wow, I did it right. You win. Yeah, I always win. <laughs> uh, we've got like just it's really scary. It's it's terrifying. Yeah, what's going down in this issue? Um, and Mister Knife like steps from like you know. Cool villain, you know, like kind of a jerk to mm-hmm. genocidal maniac space overlord. It's a big deal. Yeah. It's getting up to Thanos level. Yeah, very much so. Uh, all the while, we that's going on. Boom, we <laughs> go back to where some of our other characters are, our heroes. They're trying to regroup, come together. We've got some of our heroes are captured. Like a lot of th- moving parts, but it all comes together really well. And then there's a wonderful final splash page, uh, where which will lead us into part eight. Of the Black Vortex. Yeah, which we'll get to in a moment. But first, we're going to take a picture. Oh, I thought we were going to do them one, two, three. You want to do them one, two, three? Yeah. All right, you have the next one. I do. Yeah, Nova. All right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so Nova, number 28, picks up right where Guardians left off. Uh, Nova by Jerry Duggan, art by David Baldeon, Terry Pallet, and David Curiel. Um, You know, Nova floating in space after the destruction of Hala. He's got the Black Vortex. Uh, and he's being tempted by the Black Vortex. So there's really cool scene, like, there's another two-page splash where we see uh, Sam looking into the Black Vortex, 
seeing what it's telling him. It, it tells him you could be this giant powerful warrior. You can mm-hmm. help your mm-hmm. father. Uh, but then it also shows him what happened to Richard Ryder and says, yeah. do you want that to happen to you? You need the power. Do they – I don't have it in front of me. Do they spell Ryder correctly in this issue? No, I don't think they um, – oh, yeah. Uh, With an I? Double I's, yeah. There Rich Ryder. There you go. Yep. Finally uh, figured it out, Martz. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or low. Whichever one of you is in charge of this. Uh, and so the black, I love the way the Black Vortex is just manipulating Sam in here. He's just a kid. He wants to do the right thing. Uh, he's trying his damnedest. And he's like, I got to go. I'm going to go home with this giant thing. Yeah. Um, well, on the flip side, we've got Thane being worm-tongued still. <laughs> and he's also dealing with Mr. Knife, who is totally manipulating him on um, the flip side. Yeah, poor Thane. I know. Uh, Sam, there's this great moment where Sam pulls out his Avengers ID card, mm-hmm. trying to figure out if it's a credit card. Tries to use it as a credit tries card. Tries to use a yeah. credit card, and Jarvis pops up. He's like, hey, come on. That's not how it works. Yeah. Do you need help, though? Yeah. Uh, really sweet. Kind of a dumb move by Sam, though, where he just asks, he's like, is the vision there? He's like, no, he's not here right now. Oh, okay. I don't need anyone else. No one else <laughs> can help me with this problem. Just the vision. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember why he, why he wants the vision to help him. I don't know. Uh, we'll, it's we'll a thing. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, of course, uh, the collector pays a visit to yes. Sam's house. Yes. Uh, great stuff between the collector and collector Sam's looking mom. very uh, cinematic. Yeah. More very, than the last time we saw him, which is which is a cool uh, progression because yeah. I think that was a very cool take on the character. Definitely. Uh, we've got Sam now like freaking out because he's like, oh, the big cosmic crazies came mm-hmm. to my house. Mm-hmm. I got a roll. Boom, 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 boom. And he uh, he takes the Black Vortex into a place he, you know what, probably shouldn't have gone. No. But he's a kid. He was just trying his damnedest to uh, do the right thing. And it really takes a turn for the worse by the end. And it takes a turn for the worse right into Legendary Star-Lord number 10, Chapter 9 of Black Vortex, written by Sam Humphreys, art by Paco Medina and Juan Velasco and David Curiel. So... At the end of the Nova issue, uh, Thane got juiced up, thanks to the Black Vortex, which is important here because what Mr. Knife has him do immediately is use his power, which was to create those amber fields. You remember how he put uh, Thanos in stasis for a little bit? One would call it the living death. Mm, the living death. And he... Not to be confused with the little death. Which is... Don't worry about it. All right, I'm not going to worry about it. Um, he uses it to coat all of Spartax. So basically everyone on Spartax is put into this horrible state of suspended animation. Mr. Knife celebrates like a mofo. Uh, he's so excited. He's like, finally, I got my revenge. Those guys didn't want me. Screw them. He basically sings, finally, it is something. So we get a night. It's, it's, it just is like Nova was all about, you know, Sam and the struggle he's gone through. Star-Lord. His whole planet has now been frozen. Like, these are, these are his people. Everyone he cares about there. And worst of all, Kitty Pride is there. And she's now stuck. Sam ha- or, uh, Peter Quill has this great moment where he just confesses everything. He's like, I was wrong. You're the best. I, you were right about everything. I'm not worthy of you. Basically, he starts singing the I Will Go Always on. Love You by Dolly yeah. Parton. Yeah. yeah, just a lot of, you know, stuff. And then Kitty phases out of the amber they have a reunion, and it's beautiful. But there's still business to be done. Rocket and Magic come back with now they have Beast and Gamora and Angel who have been Black Vortexed on their side, and they're going to need it because the next step of Mr. Knife's plan is he traded Spartax 
to the brood for their help in conquering other worlds. So these gross little brood hatchlings rain down oh. on the planet. They're going to start attaching themselves to Spartax people and the Slaughter Lords attack. And it's just like, this is crazy. This is a crazy cosmic roller coaster ride of crap happening. Um, but the midst of it, you know, Star Lord and Kitty had a nice moment. What this made me realize is we mm. put out a lot of comics every week. Oof. If I would love to see it if in one week we put out every part of a giant crossover yeah. so that you you, we could. you read like 12 issues yep. of this giant series in one week and like you're just boom, 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 going through and like yeah. hyperventilating because there's so much awesome. Yeah, and you can read it all at once. That's a cool idea. We should uh, bring that up. Alex is talking a lot. That's awesome. Can anyone hear? <laughs> no. Please let us know. Can you hear Alex just like rambling on in the background or Mumbling. is it just like this, this, this – Background noise that's very irritating to you. Let us know. Use the hashtag This Week in Marvel. We love Alex. Um, okay, now that pit stop I was talking about four issues ago. In Human Number 13, written by Charles Soule, a welcome guest art appearance by Andre Arojo and colors by Richard Eisenhoff. So this is quite the art team of Arojo and Eisenhoff. We have the new humans out for a night on the town. Inferno has gotten a gig at the... The Blue Lion Room? Is that a real thing? I'm assuming no. Uh, I don't know. The only I know the Blue Oyster. Right? I don't know. Whatever. Maybe it's a takeoff or something. But Gorgon has taken the new humans out. They get to bond a little as Inferno has a deal. He's drumming for this band, um, and Gorgon gets to do a really, really cool thing that he's always wanted to do. It's nice seeing these guys come together. Meanwhile, Lineage is working with um, Eldrak, who is the Inhuman, who is a door. I love. I just love that we have something like that. I love that we have that, but I also love the way Lineage appeals to me. Where he says, like, you know, you're probably really excited to go through Terragenesis, and then this is what happened to you. You are a door. Like, your furniture is what he calls Your architecture is what he calls them. And Lineage is pulling a lot of strings here, as he has been the whole series. He's working with Eldrak. Uh, I wonder if there's something sensual when someone goes someone through goes Eldrak's through door? door. I would imagine. You know what um, I mean? Goes through oh, Eldrak's door. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I'm not... I'm you not, need me, you need I'm me not to elaborate? So, Lineage also is pulling some strings with Medusa, uh, wants her to go and do something, says some stuff about Black Bolt. So she takes him and Noor and some of the other Inhumans to go investigate something. Uh, Moore is afoot there. And at the club, something goes horribly wrong. Gorgon has to save the day. And then back on Adelan, he comes back and things are different than they were. We get the return of a character who's been missing from here for a little while. And then on the last page, I'm not even going to describe it. It's just awesome. Awesome last page this week in Inhuman. It's really, really good. Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors number five. We've got Joe Caramagna adapting yet another story from the Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors series. In this case, it is... Journey of the Iron Fist, which was originally written by Man of Action and Jacob Simon. New Avengers, number 32. Alex, I'm going to let you talk because I need you to tell me what happens in two months. Time runs out. Thank you, Alex. Fine job. (laughs) New Avengers, number 32, written by Jonathan Hickman, of course. Art by Mike Diodato. This is a huge issue. I freaked out with this issue. This is gigantic because we've had these multiversal Avengers which are Hyperion, 
the Odin Sun, Starbrand, Nightmask, Abyss, Ex Nihilo, and then all the Ex Nihili. They have been traveling through the multiverse trying to figure out what the heck is going on, what's causing the incursions, getting to the root of it all. And in this issue, I didn't think we were going to get them this soon, they encounter the Beyonders. So the Beyonders strike down on them. It's basically the fight to end all fights. These characters, these hugely powerful characters, throwing everything they've got against the Beyonders who are just beyond comprehension powerful. Yeah, I think, is it in there where it's like, this is what they see, but this is what they interpret? They cannot possibly see what the Beyonders really are. So this is basically what they're saying. The Beyonders allude a little bit to what they're doing, what's causing the incursions, but basically every one of the Multiversal Avengers throws their best shot at the Beyonders. And... Now, you, it's important to note who's in this fight, like, yep. specifically. Yeah. And especially the page you're looking at right now, yeah. the character you're looking at right now, and what weapon he has. It's Thor, and he's using a version of Mjolnir from the evil Thor who came into Avengers Thor with ago. two R's. Thor with two R's. Whose hammer will, can only be used by someone yeah. who is unworthy. But it's crazy just, like, basically every character uses, like, their super special move if this is a video game. Yeah. Like, Ex Nihilo does the biggest thing he can do. Abyss uses powers we never thought she had. Hyperion and Thor are just, like, smashing away. And it's kind of just it's – it's a suitable preview for Secret Wars in the sense that it's a threat beyond comprehension that our most powerful heroes have to use their – biggest moves against and it's ultimately kind of futile and it's sad and it's heartbreaking watching these guys like go down one by one diodato kills it on art i'm still like amazed how quickly he went from doing a big event like original sin to getting right back into the monthly grind and yeah if you're getting ready for secret wars and you just kind of want to taste thematically of what hickman's going for and there's this bittersweet moment for oh my god son right at the end that was such a great, great moment. emotional great moment. moment. It's and then those, but yeah. the last couple pages with our, what the here, like the conversation that mm-hmm. happens, it's just it felt like I was watching the biggest movie yeah. I've ever seen. Really epic stuff, and it's just a, it's a taste of what's coming up. Yeah, I oh, that was so friggin' good. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, on to Nightcrawler number two, written by Chris Claremont, art by Todd Knock. Another final issue, I believe. Yes, this is the final issue of Nightcrawler. Yep, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, it's Nightcrawler and uh, what's her name? Bess. Um, Bloody Bess. Bloody Bess. Bloody Bess. Bloody Bess versus the Warwolves. Yeah, we fear- love. The Warwolves. Yeah, if you're an old school Excalibur fan, this has not only the Warwolves, but also flashbacks to yeah. classic series stuff that you get to see Todd Noctra. Yeah. Uh, we get just great fight, you know, really like right in the thick of things. We get some of these new, um, these younger X-Men characters really get a shining moment. It's very clear, Chris Claremont bringing like the old and the new together and, and doing really cool stuff and lots of fun personality and lots of, you know, connections that he's built up and that go back years and years and years. Um, it's it's terrific. It's a really nice way to wrap up the the, the series. Uh, I think it leaves everybody in a really cool place uh, and elevates, especially these younger characters, mm-hmm. it elevates them in such a great way. I hope we see more of them because yep. I think they're super cool. And I guess it kind of goes without saying, but worth noting that Todd drew all 12 issues of Nightcrawler. Yeah, he did. 
All right, yeah. Todd Dro did all twelve yeah. issues, just packed tons of characters into every issue. Yeah, like even like the borders for the last couple mm-hmm. issues that were just jam packed with faces yeah. that changed every every page. Uh-huh. He's so good. He's really good. It's Ugh. incredible. I hope he gets a new assignment soon that we can talk about here on this podcast. Agreed. Uh, all right, up next we got Secret Avengers number fourteen, which is uh, maybe the penultimate issue. Of I think the so. Series. I think so. Every uh, time I think it's the last issue, it's not. No, and I, I and, am thankful that yeah, we and, keep getting more. And then I remember that there's still another awesome cover that we haven't seen yet. Yeah. Uh, written by Ellis Cott, art by Michael Walsh, colors by Matt Wilson. Such a great team. I freaking love everything that they're, that they're doing. I don't understand some of it. Uh, <laughs> there's crazy aliens. Uh, basically, Snapper, who is Modok's assistant, yeah, is. is you know, taking revenge against the bullies in his life. Stupid bullies. Mainly Modoc and, and Shield. Uh, he's taking revenge by bringing these crazy elder space weird god things mm-hmm. to Earth, uh, and you know, letting them do their thing. While that's going on, our team of the Secret Avengers are all across the place. Um, they have been beaten. They're like incapacitated. Some think some have been imprisoned. We've got Spider Woman with Fury and Coulson. You know, working on their plan. You got to talk about that Hawkeye. Page. Oh, that's where right, I was good, getting to. Good. So there's this two page, two pages in a row of Hawkeye that starts out with just a, a panel of all text. That's this is how Hawkeye Hawkeye took down 17 hired guns without killing a single one of them. And then you know there's more to it. Yeah. And it really is. It's like panel by panel. Yeah. Just how he did it. It's like this badass hero shot of Hawkeye from behind pulling out an arrow. And then yeah. 17 panels of him taking down all these villains, uh, all these bad guys. At the same time, he's like, um, you know, trying to get Modok to wake up. We've got the crazy space aliens coming out. Um, we've got uh, really seeing what they are up to. And then there's, it takes a really cool turn as Spider Woman, like, reaches out to Snapper, who is just having this emotional breakdown. Yeah. And, I like that no one ever talked to him to try to, you know, help him. No, nope, just a typical punch yeah. try to destroy. And so, you know, she starts talking to him, and that is, there's a break, breakthrough there. Mm-hmm. And then we get uh, the, the Fury and <sighs> this giant space alien god creature thing who are in love. They're so in love. It's so in love. Um, then, boom, our heroes start acting their plan. Another killer Hawkeye moment in yeah. here where Fury needs this, like, thing that goes into his neck. Yeah. And uh, Hawkeye has it, and he's, he basically says, don't move. And they're, like, 200 yards away from mm-hmm. each other. Hawkeye does Give this. Give or take. Yeah, does this move where he throws the thing, shoots an arrow, shoots one arrow to knock it into the air, shoots a second arrow to hit it over to Nick, and... Lands right at Nick's yeah. feet. And, and that's the kind of thing Hawkeye can do. Yeah. Because he's Hawkeye. Yeah. It, this does so much to just say, hey, that Hawkeye dude, mm. so awesome. Yeah, very useful. Also, good in a fight. wait till you guys see Avengers Age of Ultron. That's all I'm <laughs> going to say about that. Uh, so we've got really great moments, like big emotional stuff in the midst of all this absolute insanity, which I think is really cool. Elish does just does really great job of balancing all these things mm-hmm. and then when you you're not sure where it's going to go we've got this huge moment for this one character who's been introduced in this mm. the pro- I would it's hard to even say the most outlandish oddball character of the group because it's a pretty crazy group there. but definitely one of them and in the mix and I I got bummed out yeah, I was like I did too. you knew that something like that had to happen it kind of felt like the logical 
right. arc that this character was taking. But I was like, oh my god. Because that's, that's what he does. I know. That's his thing. Uh, also, uh, Alesh worked a, uh, a reference to Unforgiven. There's a line that is spoken in here called, is like, deserves got nothing to do with it, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorite lines from Unforgiven. And I think it might have also been used in The Wire. So he may have taken it from The Wire, but I... It's been I, used a few places. I don't know. But yeah. There you go. Here. I know it from Maybe Alish thinks he came up with it. He may have. No, he's smarter than that. He he's, knows he's, he knows what he's doing. He's a smart dude. Okay. Uh, Stephen King's The Dark Tower, The Drawing of Three, House of Cards number one. House of Cards? We're yeah. doing a House of Cards series? This is uh, crossing over Stephen King's classic Dark Tower property with the Netflix show House of Cards. Cool. No, that's not true. Please don't uh, buy it for that and then blame us. No, this is continuing the story of The Dark Tower. It's a new chapter written by Robin Firth and Peter David, art by Piotr Kowalski who we loved on um, Marvel Knights Hulk. Sorry, we're doing a little doing a little shuffling here. Um, but yeah, this keeps telling the story of Eddie Dean, who is a central character in The Dark Tower. This is kind of his backstory, his origin. Thanos versus Hulk, number four, which has not featured Thanos since, like, the second issue. But <laughs> That's hey, right. It's cool anyways. <laughs> um, he appears in a panel here. But no, this is a really good book. It's... Uh, Written and drawn by Jim Starlin. It's setting up his next uh, original graphic novel. An OGN. OGN is what the kids call it. But it's Hulk against Annihilus, who Annihilus has used his technology and the Hulk's genetics to basically, as it says on the cover, Hulk himself out. So he's now a giant, crazy Annihilus, but he's not just stronger. He's able to project fear and make everyone terrified of him. So you got Hulk on the run and having to overcome his own fears of Annihilus to punch him out. Crazy negative zone, exotic environments going on that Starlin loves drawing this kind of stuff. Pip the Trolls in there. There's something to be said about Jim Starlin still doing the art that he's doing oh my at God. that level. Absolutely. It's phenomenal. Listen, Jim Starlin's been doing this since the 60s like, or 70s. I was flabbergasted yeah. looking, going through these issues. Yeah, and you got to remember, too, he draws those original graphic novels, those yeah. OGNs, and this is something he did in between two of them. I, it's incredibly oh impressive. And, you know, the scope of his stories, this is a smaller part of a bigger plot with Thanos, with Annihilus, with Pip, with Adam Warlock coming back into play at some point. So a good setup. This four-issue series is just a neat little uh, little stopover in between Thanos stories, but also this, this great fight between Hulk and Thanos, Hulk and Annihilus, and this is a good wrap. It's going to read really well as a collection, too. Uncanny X-Men number 32, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Chris Pachalo. Here we get the story that last month's cover promised. So remember <laughs> last month's cover had Havoc and Cyclops on it. Havoc is here. It's post-Axis. Havoc uh, has taken Cyclops up on his offer of asylum because everyone hates Havoc now as much as they hate uh, Cyclops. Are you trying to do the like X-Men X symbol or were you just stretching? I was just stretching. All right. Well, it was a cool coincidence. So... Havoc's here, and Havoc's basically like, all right, man, catch me up on what's going on. And since last issue, which ended with Cyclops telling all the students to – I'm sorry, what? It's just it's Alex mumbling over here. Yeah, it's, it's it, when you mumble something, I'm like, what, what, what are you saying? Do I need to know? All right, okay. <laughs> sorry, Alex mumbled something. So where was I? Uh, picking up from the last issue where Cyclops – you chewing your pen now? I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, where Cyclops told all of his students, hey, you're going to go to the green – the Jean Grey School, the Green Jay School. The Green Jay School. Um, the Jean Grey School. They're all pissed. This fills in the gaps as Cyclops tells the story to Havoc of what happened with the kids, where are they now, what happened with him and Emma. There's a huge scene between Cyclops and Emma. It's really well written by Bendis, basically 
kind of saying like, hey, you know, our relationship didn't work, but why didn't it work? And is everything resolved between us? And also you have Havoc and Emma at the same time, you know, in the past and in the present asking Cyclops, like, what was, what was your revolution? Like, you kept talking about, like, the mutants need to have a revolution. We need to do this, and then you do that. And Cyclops just breaking down, admitting what his goal has been this entire series. And it's big, sad, horrible stuff that has to do with uh, Charles Xavier, has to do with philosophy, has to do with, like, you know, what what choice do mutants have left. And Cyclops is basically ready to pack it in. He's like, you know, I'm going to have it stay here as long as you want, hang out. I'm going to go turn myself in. And Havoc's like, mm, how about we do this instead? And so now the issue ends with it's basically Summers Brothers against the world. And that is what we have to look forward to in Uncanny X-Men. You know what's cool? Like the finality, the f- yeah, finality that um, Secret Wars yes. is bringing yeah. to like just the, se- the sense of, of the end. Yeah, that, a lot of stories have to wrap up. Yeah, which but leads to amazing mm-hmm. character moments and leads to these ju- the destruction of Hala and yeah. uh, stuff you wouldn't see if we weren't ramping up to this giant I, end all story. You know, like the deaths of characters, like the, that freaking Avengers issue, mm-hmm. that new Avengers issue, man. Oh my Sticks god. Sticks with you. <sighs> really cool stuff. Anyway, on to Wolverine's number 12. Written by Ray Fox, art by Ario Anandito, yep. and colors by Matt Wilson. Really Ario, getting our work out on Wolverines trying to uh, pronounce these artist names, but, yeah. they're, all, but they're all great. Uh, Ario Anandito is so good. Very good. Uh, brand new, as far as I know. Uh, but cool. He's new to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this issue is like, boom, throwing you right into things because yeah. uh, you've got, um, what's his name? Not Shogun? Shogun. Yes. I like Shogun. I do. I'm I, a big I fan. Too. Shogun, who's fighting two fights at the same time. Yep. Internally, he's got Ogun Ooh. trying to take over his mind. And externally, Good he's got Lady Deathstrike here. trying to tear him apart physically. Yes. Uh, and it's not going well for Shogun because... As good as he may be, he ain't gonna beat the two of them doing what they're doing. Not together. At the same time, we've got our boy Fang uh, coming back, about to snag another one of these, you know, these jokers. To, Fang, you know, Fang doing his thing. But little does he know that Mystique is ready for him. Oh my God, this is so weird. I love it. It's so I weird. Love it. This Fang subplot has been like my favorite. Just what is happening thing of the past so couple months, yes. like. I don't even know. Yeah, so Fang, you know, uh, they're they're actually able to really mess up Fang, and then they, they, you know, full frontal assault on him, trying to take him down. Uh, But, of course, he teleports himself out of harm's way and takes Shogun with him, because he was really coming to get Shogun. Yeah, he wanted Shogun. He wanted to question Shogun at this point, Uh, because he's really just trying to figure out who killed killed Wolverine? Wolverine and why. Uh, he takes Shogun, who's all like seriously injured. The two of them are really messed up, to um, an unnamed planet that is super cool. It's like this crystalline area, and as that the sun rises on this place, it makes this amazing sound. So he says he likes to go there. All this cool stuff, uh, and he questions Shogun, and Shogun is like, "No, I'm the one. I didn't, I didn't kill him, but I'm the one who that led to his death." I am the close, the last person he essentially fought, and I hurt him. And like, there's a really great, you know, sense of uh, closure to some of the to this conversation. Uh, and of course, there's some fighting. And at the same time, Fang is like, "Stop! Stop! 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 Stop!" stop. <laughs> uh, he's saying, uh, "Logan wouldn't have wanted revenge. That right. was revenge is for animals." And yeah. I think that's 
one, it's a great, like, remembrance of Logan as, you know, who he became over the years. Uh, and, and really cool, like, just way it all shook out. Boom. Shogun gets thrust back. We get to see Phantom L and um, Culpepper. Oh, yeah. The and, twist here. Yeah. Uh, they've been getting all these Wolverine artifacts for this crazy big buyer who shows up in this issue, just makes this amazing, like, three, you know, five, six-page uh, introduction into the series, and it's so good. Yeah. Fan. Fantastic. Phantom tastic as I said. <sighs> okay, another week down in the books. What do you got? New Avengers number 32. Yeah. That's my jam. I Very can't. Very can't. powerful. I'm going to go with Dark Horse, Amazing X-Men number 18. Nice. That was so much fun. Yeah. There's so many good books. Yeah, there. Don't Sleep on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. All uh, the, the um, Black Vortex stuff. Deathlock, Turning yeah. Corner, like I said, and yep, some good yep. some good conclusions with uh, Elektra, Ghost Rider, and Nightcrawler. Secret Avenger is always a pleasure. Collections on sale. All new X-Factor Volume 3, Axis. Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collection Volume 22, Round Robin, <laughs> recently <laughs> featured <laughs> on Twim URC. We did that. We did that. We made that happen, Twimmaniacs. Hawkeye Avenging Archer, which collects some of uh, Jim McCann's work on the character. Oh, that's awesome. Our boy Jim McCann. Um, Hulk Volume 2, Omega Hulk Book 1. Inhuman Volume 2, Axis. Iron Fist, The Return of Kunlun, which, uh, as Jamal Eigel enthusiastically said on Facebook this morning, finally collects him and Jay Faber's 1990s Iron Fist story that he was really, really excited about. That's awesome. Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man. Is Jamal Eigel exclusive to DC? No. He's doing, his own, he's doing his own stuff. Oh, he's not even working. He's not even working at DC. All right. So we should... Uh, I love his work. I love his work, Man, too. He's so good. And he's actually a really good dude, too. Yeah, he's very nice. Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors Digest Volume 1, Runaways the Complete Collection Volume 3, Secret Avengers Volume 2, The Labyrinth, She-Hulk Volume 2, Disorderly Conduct, Uncanny X-Men Volume 5, The Omega Mutant, and that is a hardcover, and Wolverine Origin 2. Now, on the app this week, we've got everything we just talked about with the exception of Dark Tower and Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man. And also on the app, uh, Iron Fist, two three-issue limited series from 1996 and 1998, as well as Iron Fist Wolverine from 2000. That's a four-issue limited series. I think those are the three things collected in the Iron Fist trade, plus Uncanny Origins, number 14 from 1996. Nice. Collections on sale on the app this week. We've got... All New X-Factor, Volume 3 Axis, Amazing Spider-Man, Epic Collection, Round Robin, Avengers Masterworks, Volume 8, Fear Itself, Youth and Revolt, Hulk, Volume 2, Mega Hulk, Book 1, Inhuman, Volume 2, Axis, Iron Fist, The Return of Con Lon, Secret Avengers, Volume 2, The Labyrinth, She-Hulk, Volume 2, Disorderly Conduct, Sage, Thunderbolts, Uncanny X-Men, Volume 5, The Omega Mutant, Vision, Yesterday and Tomorrow, and X-Men, Skinning of Souls. That was excellent. Thank you. You're welcome. I knew you were not going to do Freshly Digitized because now you have to recharge the uh, <laughs> the old batteries. Um, Freshly Digitized on Marvel Unlimited is all-new X-Factor number 14, all-new X-Men number 32, Avengers number 35, Avengers World number 13, Daredevil number 8, Deadpool biannual number 1. Great one-shot over there. Edge of Spider-Verse number two, the The biannual is yep. Paul Shear. Paul Shear. Co-writer, yep. Uh, yeah, and the other guy who had the long name. Nick Gianavetti or something. I think that's it. I think that's it. I got it. Uh, also, this is big. Edge of Spider-Verse number two, the debut of Spider-Gwen, is now available on Marvel Unlimited. Boom. A lot of people want to read that. Electra number six, Hulk number six, Magneto number nine, Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble number 12, Miss Marvel number eight, 
New Warriors number nine, Nightcrawler number six, and X Force number nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got plenty of news. Ben, kick it off. Oh, we sure do. Uh, Secret Wars continues to roll on. What are the latest things we announced? Well, just today, um, Wednesday, we put out Captain Britain and the Mighty Defenders, which is Al Ewing getting to do a mix of his uh, Captain Britain love with his Mighty Avengers characters. I know in that series, Faiza Hussein is actually Captain Britain, which would be really cool. That is awesome. Yeah. So uh, she, who else is in that book? She-Hulk's in there, Spider-Man, White Tiger. Um, I haven't edited the article yet. Do you know anyone else, Alex? Uh, I read yesterday Hobby Brown's in it. Uh, Hobie Brown is in there. That's awesome. So the Prowler is uh, got a different condition. Yeah, a lot of really cool stuff, mixing universes. Uh, There's more on Marvel.com, which you can read. Um, Hail Hydra is pretty cool. This is is, uh, really Rick Remender getting to do a lot of the things he's touched on in All-New Captain America. He's exploring a world where Hydra has not only won, they won decades ago. So Hydra rules the planet. Like that Captain America story we did a bunch of yeah. years ago? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that was Red Skull. This is Hydra. Oh, just straight up. Okay. So straight up, Hydra, the subversive organization, rules the planet. And into this, Nomad, Ian Rogers, finds himself having to basically fight everybody. Have to fight heroes, villains. Ev- everyone you know, he's going to rediscover here. It sounds really cool. It's reuniting Rick with his full uh, Winter Soldier Bitter March team, Roland Boshi. Uh, Chris Chuckery and Andrew Robinson on the covers. Awesome. One of the big ones is Charles Soule and Lineal Yu are going to be doing Civil War. It is a world where Civil War is still going. Um, and it, Charles did a great interview with us earlier this week where he basically said, like, you know, it's actually been 10 years almost since Civil War. Oh, we're going to throw up. Um, how, what is going on? What is my life? He's talking about how... <laughs> what happened? Like oh, The room is spinning. The, the, Alex, what is going Alex, on? Alex, help Ryan, please. <laughs> um, so here on the 10th anniversary of Civil oh War... Oh, my God. <laughs> where, where is my life gone? I've been in this industry for like 12 years now. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways... Um, yeah, it's still going, but Charles talking big about how, you know, the issues that were relevant then at the time with personal security and all that stuff has only grown in the past decade. And now he is going to uh, he's going to look at it some more. Age of Apocalypse. Uh, I spoke to Fabian Nicieza, who you remember may remember is one of the guys who created the Age of Apocalypse. We've had a lot of revisits to the Age of Apocalypse over the past. I mean, that was like 20 years ago. I'm not going to send you into another tailspin. Yeah, that, that doesn't bother me. All right. I was a kid. Yeah, Civil War <laughs> seems like it was yesterday. It really does. Um, we've never had Fabian, who did the original version, come back and revisit these characters. So him and Gerardo Sandoval from Guardians 3000 are going back into the Age of Apocalypse. Here, Apocalypse is still in power. The X-Men are still opposing him. There are some differences said from the original Age of Apocalypse, but a lot of the stuff we saw from the first one is going to be back and explored uh, in depth that he couldn't do before. Also, Cypher. It's going to be a lot of Cypher, he said. Cypher is a key component. What about Blink? Any Blink? Blink is in it. He confirmed Blink's in it, Apocalypse is in it, Magneto is in it, Angel is in it, Cyclops, Havoc, Jean Grey. Um, he listed a whole bunch of characters, but those were the, those were the big ones. Sugar Man? Did not mention Sugar Man. If there is no Sugar Man, there's going to be a table being flipped. Also, Gerardo Sandoval would draw a hell of a Sugar Man. You know what I'm saying? So that needs to happen. All right. I will uh, get on the horn. Um, We also, all this week, uh, in an effort to kind of get you guys ready for Secret Wars, I've been coordinating with Adrian Cowan, our social media 
diva who's manager, manager um, <laughs> but also, to be fair, social media diva, um, has informed me that, you know, a lot of people are a little intimidated by Secret Wars. There's a lot to understand. So we've been doing our best through our uh, page, uh, marvel.com slash Secret Wars, but also through a series of articles we put together talking about the different, um, you know, chapters, installments, tie-ins to the series and how they all work. Uh, we've got an FAQ going up. So we're going to do our best to try to get you guys who are a little skeptical about Secret Wars because there's too much of it. We want to guide you through it as best we can. And please let us know how we're doing. Free comic book day is coming up, Fast and Furious. It's coming up in May. We are going to have two uh, big stories that we talked about this week. We're going to have a Secret Wars prelude, and that is also going to include that Attack on Titan story. But what we're focused on this week is the Avengers story, um, which we cannot reveal the creative team behind it yet, but we've been revealing characters who are joining the Avengers for this story. So far, we've shown that Miss Marvel's in there, uh, the new Thor is in there, Vision, and also Nova. And by the time this podcast comes out, I think it's safe to say we can also say that uh, Sam... Wilson, Captain America is on the team, and Iron Man's on the team, and then there's one more to be revealed Friday. Bum, bum, bum. It's going to be a big one. Yep. Uh, also, Uncanny and Humans has a story by uh, Charles Soule and Brandon Peterson, and we're doing the same deal there, kind of talking about the characters who are going to be featured there. Um, I have read both stories. They're both excellent, and I think people are really going to dig them. Speaking of Gerardo Sandoval, we did a uh, sketchbook with him. Not a sketchbook. We just did a spotlight on him where we talked about Guardians 3000, he talked about Age of Apocalypse, showed some black and white pages that hadn't been seen yet from Age of Apocalypse. Cool guy. And uh, glad to have him on board. Been doing Daredevil Spotlight series where we have uh, people go back and look at their runs on the book, some classic runs. Last week we had Anne Nascenti and John Romita Jr. Uh, Anne was quoted heavily in that. And also some people from like manwithoutfear.com and the other murdochpapers.com. They weighed in and said, like, their take on Anne and Cindy's run. And then the one that I wasn't initially going to include, but Tim Stevens really, really wanted to do this, he tracked down uh, D.G. Chichester, who did Fall from Grace, which was the armored costume story, and Scott McDaniel, and he talked to them both extensively about their run on the book. It was pretty great. Uh, D.G. Chichester has not written a comic, as far as I know, in decades and Tim found him and did an interview with him. Wow. And it's phenomenal. That's it's great. really cool stuff. So I was, I was glad we got that. Uh, over in the world of games, Mighty Heroes added Captain Marvel. Spider-Man Unlimited added Lady Spider. And then there's a huge Spider-Man Unlimited update coming in the next couple of days that we have full coverage on. And then there is a new uh, spec up for Avengers Alliance. It is Runaways, and the reason I said I'd circle back to Ultimatum is that Flag Smasher yes. is the big villain. The crazy thing about this spec up, though, is that you can only play as the Runaways. So you can only play, the only playable characters, the only people you have available for every mission are Molly, Carolina, and uh, Nico, if you have them. And then they will give you Chase and or Victor Mancha like as team-ups, but they decide when you can use them. Wow. So it's very challenging, especially if you've not leveled up your runaways, which I have not. <laughs> I have like level four Carolina, and it's destroying me. And also, each of the spec op uh, chapters now has a heroic battle. So that's part of what you have to deal with. I had to fight the Punisher with Molly, and I am I need to level her up. I need to figure out ways. So this is going to be a very challenging spec op. Chase is the reward hero. Victor is going to be available down the line in PvP. 
Cool. And that's all the game news I have. Yeah. I put an item there, but I don't know if we can talk about it yet. Or I guess we can. We put out a press yeah, release. Yeah, we put out a press release. All right. Do you want to, you, you can you can take this one if you want. Uh, we, Add to we, your news. There's a new hire at Marvel, uh, talent manager. I think the talent relations manager. I, he's just talent manager in the talent press manager. release. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Purden, yep. who comes to us from our distinguished competition. He was an editor over there, most recently working on Multiversity. I think the final issue of Multiversity actually came out today, and Ricky's name is, of course, still on it. Yeah. So uh, he's working right up to the end there. Which is... I mean, one of his proudest things that mm-hmm. I think he, he's done. Uh, but we know Ricky uh, because he was also a wizard guy. Yep. Um, he lived in the same house as me for a little while, I think. Yeah, then he uh, lived down the street from me uh, yep. a little ways after that. But, yeah, we know him well. We've known him for, like, a decade. Yeah, no, I mean. <laughs> Since I, Civil War? 12, <laughs> 12 years. <laughs> I've, known, I've known Ricky, Yeah, uh, which is crazy. Uh, it's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's just, you know, it makes us very happy. Very uh, happy. We're Ricky glad to was, finally have him here. Ricky was in my wedding. He's, you know, one of my groomsmen. He's in my wedding, too. He's yeah. one of my groomsmen. There you go. He's the only groomsman we share. Yeah. He is the, the link between the link Between our weddings. Yeah. They took place like a couple weeks apart. They did. And he was just running around <laughs> trying to get his suit adjusted. Oh, Ricky. Yeah. Uh, but I am, we're both so beyond delighted yeah. to have him Alex here. doesn't care. No. He's actually really nice. I met him earlier today. Shut up. Shut up. Uh, um, <laughs> so we're probably going to have Ricky on the show at some point. We will point. try, yeah. But in the meantime, I know he is getting very active on Twitter, at Ricky Purden. He has an E in his name, so it's R-I-C-K-E-Y-P-U-R-D-I-N. And he wants people who are interested in working for Marvel to reach out to him. He yeah. put out a tweet last night about it. So get in touch. Totally. It's the new face of talent relations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, as we alluded to in the beginning of the show, the Avengers Half Marathon Weekend is coming to uh, the Disneyland Resort mm-hmm. this uh, you know this year. So very exciting. Um, registration uh, is April 7th. April 7th, So yeah. it's coming up pretty soon. And we'll have more information on the sites. Much more information. But there's going to be uh, a 10K on the Saturday and the half marathon on the Sunday. Uh, the 10K is Captain America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the t- Captain America 10K. And if you do both those races, you get the Infinity Gauntlet Challenge Holy crap. medal. Oh so my I'm God. doing both of those. You better yeah. bring so that thing back. I'm coming home with four medals, four medals. because I'll have the 10K, uh-huh. the half marathon, the Infinity Gauntlet Challenge, and my Coast to Coast medal because oh I've God. run at uh, in Orlando. Insane. So I'm very excited. I will be there. Uh, we're actually, in addition to the stuff that Cole's doing, uh, Judy and I are starting to work. Judy Stevens, mm-hmm. who's also going to run the race, uh, we're going to work on some stuff with the Run Disney people to do some, cool. some training plans and some uh, updates on what we're doing and how we're getting ready for the big races. Uh, it should be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is a challenge to CM Punk to run in it. Sure. And not train leading up to it. <laughs> just I could, walk out the day before. I could text him right now text and tell him, him we just called you out on tell the podcast. We called him out on the podcast running the Disney Apple Marathon. I don't know if he's doing a UFC fight that weekend, <laughs> but I'm sure he can do both. He, he can do anything. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Awesome. So much stuff. Let's kick it over to Stromy, the Wolfman, and Whacker. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hello there, This Week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, joined by... Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. For another thrilling installment of the Stromy and the Wolfman show, starring the Wolfman and Stromy. I had to pause back there because for some reason I forgot that I uh, 
got promoted twice since I started here and almost called myself assistant editor. It's going to take me two promotions to get to where you are? It's going to take you two promotions. Ugh. Yep, you got a long road ahead of you, son. I'll be dead by then. <laughs> anyway, you're not here to listen to us bicker about positions. And when I'll be dead. <laughs> Some of you might have tuned in hoping to find out when I die. <laughs> That'll be a very special episode of the Stroming and the Wolfman show. Um... Anyway, over here on Marvel West, we got tons of action going on this week. We had an all-new Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this week, in which you finally found out who Edward James Olmos was playing. Well, I guess we always gave you the name, Robert Gonzalez, but now you know that he is uh, heading up or one of the leaders of another faction of S.H.I.E.L.D. that is setting itself up to go face-to-face with Coulson's faction, because... uh, Almost's crew, Gonzalez's crew, believes they are the real shield, and they are going to try and basically uh, dethrone uh, Coulson. That, of course, is going to, well, not necessarily happen, but there will at least be a showdown uh, next week in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at Tuesday, uh, on Tuesday at 9, 8 central on ABC. Leading up to that, of course, we'll have some clips this week. We will have an interview with Edward James almost talking more about his role now that we can finally talk about his role other than saying he will have a very important part to play. Um, and this week we had a new This Week in Marvel's Agents S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast with Henry Simmons, who plays Mac. Of course, Mac is one of uh, Gonzalez's. Um, team members, I guess you could say. He's been undercover in Coulson's crew, him and Bobby. And I got to talk to Henry about sort of finally laying the cat out of the bag because this has sort of been building for quite a few episodes now. So check all that out, marvel.com. Keep an eye on our YouTube channel for the clips. And in other TV news, we also released two new images from Marvel's Daredevil, one featuring a new look at uh, Wilson Fisk as he chats with Madame Gao, and another image that features Matt, Foggy, Karen, and Ben Urich. And, well, no, I guess this isn't the first official look at Ben. You saw him in the trailer, didn't you? I did. One of the trailers, yeah. So, you can get another look at least. And all that's on Marvel.com right now-ish. Right, Patrick? Yeah, by the time you listen to this. Yeah, by the time you listen, it'll be there. Um, That's all I got. What you got over in your corner of Marvel West, Patrick? (laughs) My corner? Would that be like Marvel Northwest? No, that'd be the corner I put you in when you talk back to me. Which is all the time. (laughs) Well... Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors, the big Spider-Verse event, concludes tonight. If you're listening to this the day the podcast comes out, that's Thursday, 9 p.m. on Disney XD. If you missed a single installment of Spider-Verse, then you can tune in Sunday morning, April 5th, and you'll be able to see all four parts aired in a marathon. Back to back to back to back to back? Nope, that's one too many backs. Oh, shoot. Better put one back. Put back, put back one of those backs. Put back a back. So just keep that on your radar that you'll be able to see all those episodes. Also, this Sunday at 8 a.m. on Disney XD, catch a new episode of Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash featuring Iron Man and Roller Derby. 
That's right. That is, you heard me correct? Wait, 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 wait. Please tell me they put Iron Man's skates in this one. Do you remember those? I can neither confirm nor deny. Do you remember those? Do you remember those skates? Listen. Do you know what issue of Iron Man, Iron Man first got the suit that had the skates in? Uh, Number one. I'm pretty sure it's number 47. Oh, pretty sure. I'm pretty you sure. You seem pretty confident, man, to now I, just follow that up with a... Oh, with... I, I'm sorry. What? It's probably like one or two issues off. I'm sorry my obscure trivia can only bring in like within... Oh, hey, we've got... We've got if some, only we we've got had... some essentials right next to us. We should look this up afterwards. A giant stack of essentials. All right. Anyways, so keep that in mind for Marvel Animation. Also, stay tuned to hear myself and Steve Wacker talk a little bit more about animation. Also, uh, I believe this weekend is the Kids' Choice Awards. Kids' Choice Awards? I'll take your word for it. I believe this week is the Kids' Choice's Awards is. You, you're, you're more in tune with the kids these days than I am, Patrick. So Whether or not it is airing this weekend, this Saturday, whether or not it's airing this Saturday, go to uh, the internet, type in uh, Kids' Choice Awards. And you'll have a link to vote, but make sure you vote for Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, uh, Lee Pace, Chloe Bennett, and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., along with Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. There's tons of awards going on. And uh, just vote, even if even if it's not on anymore. Like, even if it, you're listening to this two weeks from now, just go to the internet and vote. You could probably get a head start on next year. All right, the wheels have fallen off this bus. You know, I thought about remember earlier. You know, it's better. It's better. <laughs> how, how much earlier do you mean? We've well, been talking for like five minutes. It's 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 better to put back a back than pull out a back. Okay, you got it. All right, I'm gonna leave. Is that your you catchphrase? With, that's my no. It's not my catchphrase. It's words of wisdom. I'm gonna leave y'all with those words of wisdom. I'd like these last ten minutes back. <laughs> and. I will wish you all a splendiferous weekend, a splendiferous-er week. We'll chat with you once again in seven more days. And as always, remember to drink your Ovaltine. Hello out there. Oh, we still have a countdown coming in. Uh, This is Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh, joined by... Stephen Allen Wacker of Marvel Animation Studios. I don't think Allen's your middle name. Isn't it? Isn't your... I thought Great was your middle name. It is. Is it Steve? I have two middle names, Alan and Great. Alan Great. All right, cool. Works for me. Works for me. Uh, We are coming at you to talk a little bit about what's going on in the world of animation. It's a big week. This is a huge week. This might be the biggest week ever. This podcast might not be enough to hold the news we have this week. Absolutely not. We should extend this week in Marvel to three hours. Probably. We should cut Panagos out. And just have me talking about what I'm about to talk about for the next four minutes. Well, some of the big stuff going on in Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors, we have the conclusion of Spider-Verse. This is it. This is what it's been building to, what we've been talking about. Uh, Disney XD made it a big event, our Spider-Verse miniseries, uh, and I'm thankful they did. Thursdays at 9 have been uh, a great time for us. Uh, The story ends, all the spider the spiders are to get are together for one uh, last big battle, and they all might not be coming out of it. Oh no! 
what's going to happen to him? Well, I can't tell you. You got to watch the show. That's oh boy, that's why we show the show. That's uh, yeah. Well, and it's not even just big because of bringing all these Spider Men. Is it Spider Men or Spider Mans? We say Spider Men, although there's also a female members yeah, too. Yeah, that's what it's I'm hard. saying. It's hard to find that collective noun. That, but I guess it's kind of like we were re uh, fall back I think on it's like a Parliament Spanish. of Spiders. It's like the the Spanish thing where it's like the male. Takes takes yeah, dominance over the group. I don't speak Spanish. You know, no. you don't speak Spanish. No. Oh, well, there goes that. Las Arañas Nuevos. Wait a second. That sounds like. Anyways, it's not just big because of all of the different versions of Spider-Man that are appearing in the episode. It's also pretty big for Goblin himself. Yeah, uh, and it's something. It's uh, the end of this story is something that will affect the rest of uh, certainly this season of Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, and maybe the sheer existence of Ultimate Spider-Man. So this is oh, a no. big one for us. That sounds. Uh, well, we posted a, a clip on the site. Oh, cool! Earlier this week. So let's watch it. Let's watch it. All right, we're just going to take a brief break, <laughs> and wow. we're back. Oh my God! So wow, pretty good, that huh? was uh, that was fantastic. Pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. Boy, I hope you all out there go to marvel.com/slash/tv. And you can probably see the clip that way. But you get to see the spider goblin in that clip, mm-hmm. which is real creepy. Yeah, we needed to match. So we knew how exciting the Spider-Verse event was in publishing. So uh, Henry Gilroy and Eugene Sun and Alex Soto, everybody working creatively on the show, we knew we needed to match uh, to at least come close to uh, that uh, climax. And are you saying that you guys are better than Dan Slott? Oh, absolutely. Okay, just I wanted call to Dan confirm. Every week, and I tell him that. Good. He might be and the only. Up. He might be the only person commenting on this podcast. Now that <laughs> now that you mention it, uh, yeah. Now that makes sense that the username Slaughter Man. Yeah. Now you know who that is. Now that makes so much more sense. So that's not the only episode we have this week, though. Are you sure? I'm positive because I have a list in front of me. Oh, really? Well, that's right. Because So we should clarify that probably the night that this podcast comes out, tune in to Disney XD at 9 o'clock, yeah. uh, Thursday night at 9 o'clock for the conclusion Record of Spider-Verse. Record Scandal and turn live to uh, Disney XD. Absolutely. But this Sunday morning, not Sunday night, because no. you should be in bed. Or watching reruns of The X-Files, because that's what used to be on Sunday nights, the last time I watched Sunday night television. Uh, Sunday at 8 a.m., we have a brand new episode of Marvel's yeah. Hulk and the Agents of Smash. Smack in the Marvel block on Disney XD. We have a new Hulk and the Agents of Smash episode called Wheels of Fury, and uh, this one is uh, this one's really fun. It takes place in the world of roller derby. Um, it's sort of an arcade sort of thing, um, uh, where the Hulk's... Uh, with special guest star Iron Man. Of course. Uh, have to take place in a cosmic roller derby for the uh, fate of the universe. And uh, if you had a roller derby name, what would that be? Burnt Leather. Burt, not? Oh, Burt Leather. Yeah, Burt Leather. Burt Leather. Yeah. That's not really, because I was thinking Burnt Leather, like that might be some sort of like, you know, you wear a leather jacket, and sure. it's all, like, burnt and stuff. And you're, no, 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 I'm burnt leather. You're so fast that you're, you know, burning the leather off. Not but me. no, just burnt leather. My name leather. is Burt, I have a lot of leather. That name is tattooed on my back. 
Oh, well, then that makes sense. So our writer, Henry Gilroy, is a, a big roller derby fan. So he was, he's been fr- uh, front row seat for enough roller derby action that there's, you legitimately learn the rules of roller derby in really? this episode. Yeah, and it's violent, and you put the hulks in the middle of it, and you know it's going to get nuts. Uh, this is, a, this is a, a very exciting episode. And I believe uh, not all of the hulks, I don't want to spoil anything, but I don't believe all of the hulks are the most adequate of roller skaters. You're absolutely right. That is part of the, what we call the conflict of the story. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but as you'll see, not all the Hulks take to the skates, as, uh, as you can imagine. Do you know, are these, like, traditional four-wheel roller skates? Are they, like, newfangled They're roller blades? They're meant to be roller skates, but I believe we do have some roller blades in there, uh, in there as well. We took some liberties with Ooh. the actual footwear. I'm not sure I can get behind that anymore. <laughs> oh, you'll get behind it, my friend. You'll wake up Sunday morning, and you will love roller derby. And uh, what are the the possibilities of seeing Rebecca Romaine reprising her role from the hit film Roller Ball? Hit film. Hit film. Yeah, absolutely. Huh. Hit film. Uh, they're about as good as the possibility of seeing James Caan uh, oh, strap from the, on uh, the skates from, from the original Roller Ball. And I believe that was released in 1975? I believe so. Oh. Really strange that James Caan came off of Godfather. With John Houseman, too. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Uh, so make sure to tune in to Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash this Sunday to see Wheels of Fury. That's right. Also, we have some terrible news for our listeners. We do. Yeah, because you will not be hearing from Mr. Wacker. Or, or Patrick. Oh, they'll hear from me oh. just about other things. But we won't be hearing from you for two weeks. That's right. Because we do not have... Next uh, week I'll be in New York to pay uh, Mr. Panagos a little visit. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, you hear me. But but that's convenient because we also don't have any new episodes of animation no. next week. We're going to be rerunning uh, the Spider-Verse on Disney XD. Correct. Uh, they're going to mar- marathon them for everybody that happened. It was a busy march for you. Yep. So uh, I believe April 5th. Sunday morning, April 5th, on Disney XD, they'll air all four parts of Spider-Verse. Fantastic. So even though we won't be talking about new stuff, you'll still be able to tune in and marathon that whole thing. You'll watch Spider-Verse in the morning, and then you'll stay up, and you'll watch Mad Men that night. Absolutely. Is that when Mad Men comes no, back? Abs- it is, yeah. Oh, boy. My timer is set. Good to know. Good to know. I'm coming for you, Panagos. All right. I well, can't be denied, Panagos. Until go down, Panagos. two weeks from now, uh, enjoy... Ryan's going to be All crying. Marvel crying animation. Pinagos. And make sure you cartoon in to Disney XD. Come back. Uh, we had mentioned earlier we were maybe going to have a guest on, but we noticed we're running a little long. Our guest is going to be, uh, if not this week, well, well, not this week. So maybe next week. We're going to have Elliot Ronan on. He works on the digital team with us. He is the man behind the new reader on Marvel Unlimited. He has a lot to say about it, but... For the moment, if you have any questions about stuff going on with Marvel Unlimited, because we had a lot of upgrades this week and some cool new stuff going on, tweet him at Elliot Ronan, E-L-L-I-O-T-R-O-N-E-N, and uh, ask him any questions, and we will endeavor to have him on the show ASAP. Yes, indeed. Uh, But it's time to get into this week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club, Ben's selection. Yes, quite a cluster muck, as uh, Steve Austin would say, Mm -hmm. as we did Ultimate Spider-Man. We, for the first week, had the first six issues back up there, but we had done that before, so then we added the second six issues. So, or actually, second, first seven issues, then second six issues. 
Bottom line, we read 13 issues of <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man. We have 13 issues of Ultimate Spider-Man to discuss. We have your comments. Um, but I, I skipped the first arc because we did that, and I read the second little arc, which is basically Peter Parker against the Kingpin. But it's also, now that the origin's out of the way, kind of establishing the Ultimate Spider-Man world, some supporting cast. He starts working at the Daily Bugle. Uh, his relationship with Mary Jane starts to evolve and ends in a tremendous issue i remember a hugely talked about issue at the time issue 13 is all no costume no fighting it's peter parker sitting down and telling mary jane his secret identity i remember at the time people were flipping out that this happened that it happened so early but it's one of the best remembered issues of ultimate spider-man because i think this was the time we really thought like oh my god like this is a this feels like what a teenager would do this feels like how his girlfriend would react, hopefully. And it really set – Ultimate Spider-Man was already a hit at that point. But this showed that, like, Bendis and Bagley – and Bagley especially, who just has to draw these two kids talking in one room for the entire issue, just excels with facial expressions, with body language. So that is, like, kind of the, the – key signature issue of this run but there's also this great introduction of the kingpin uh you get the enforcers who are very different in this universe i love their version of ox uh, you get electro who's a different take and you start I like to see, electro i like electro yeah. too and you, and you also get to see like peter's relationship with aunt may how he's adjusting at high school post becoming spider-man and you know you get J. Jonah jameson you get robbie robertson you get ben urich you get betty brant you get all this cool stuff uh, so it's really good. I mean, Ultimate Spider-Man is gorgeous. It's Bendis showing how he became one of the best writers, if not the best writers in the business. And Bagley, I got to say, I think with Bagley, we tend to think he has this like timeless, like he's always been good and he's just always been this good and he's amazingly consistent quality. But I think we don't give enough lip service to how much he has evolved because I look at this versus some of his older Spider-Man stuff and this is like – miles above how it was and this is really good but even that i look at some of his hulk stuff today and i'm like he's continued to just improve and improve and improve but this was for both creators i think this run and that issue in particular the mary jane issue i remember as just being one that's like all right this is we got to watch this book we got to watch these creators we got to watch these characters all that well said yeah perfect (laughs) uh i yeah that issue 13 the, the the last part of what we read here I, I think I've read that issue in particular many times over the years. Yeah, it's uh, probably the issue of Ultimate Spider-Man I've read the most. Just because I keep going back to it as such, it's such great character work mm-hmm. and dialogue, and like like you were saying, two guys doing just they just hit it. It was like a, there's a spark to that issue and that telling of a story we know so well that it's phenomenal. Yeah, um, so. All great stuff. That's all there is to say. Right, let's yeah. go into uh, let's go into what you guys had to say. We have Daniel Willis. Not much to tweet about this Twim URC other than it's freaking amazing. Started issue one and can't stop reading. Well, the beauty of that is there is like what 110 issues of Bendis and Bagley, and then Bendis is still writing Ultimate Spider-Man today. So he's been going on 15 yeah, you, years now. Yeah, you get another like. 50, 60 issues after that, right? Yeah, it's so there's plenty, and it's all in Marvel Unlimited, so you can check it out. Also, it seems like every time I hit page 7 of any issue, it hits loading problems. I have to exit and reload the comic. Well, Daniel, hopefully if you haven't, I hope you've resolved that, but if you haven't, um, we said earlier, give uh, give old Elliot Ronan a tweet. Hopefully For serious, yeah. That. He's, he's the guy to handle that. 
IT guy Peter Parker seems so much more logical and realistic than photographer Peter Parker. That was a big plot point was, I remember they were like, you know, we're going to do a modern version of Spider-Man. It would make sense for him to work on the Daily Bugle website instead of... I remember that being like both, oh, that's clever, and also both like, oh, that's like the easiest way to say like, this is taking place today. He works on a website, but it worked out. It's all good. Oh, man, a floppy disk. <laughs> Maybe it just seems like floppies are older than they really are. 2001 wasn't that long ago, right? Yeah, the thing is, like, it's also interesting because no one uses floppies anymore. No. But that's the universal icon for, like, saving something yeah. is a floppy disk. To, and kids who never touched a so floppy convey it. Don't even, means, wouldn't yeah. even probably make that connection. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Don DJ Fanko says the patented Bender Bantus Bender Nice. The patented Bendis banter really starts on page one. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that tongue twister, Don. Uh, it says it's always satisfying to see Thompson get his just des- deserves. It's the the phrase is just, just desserts. desserts. And he's talking about Flash Thompson. But I like just deserves. I like it. Works for me. Uh, Don also says the lampooning of Ben Stein's character from Ferris Bueller <laughs> fell kind of flat. Um, no, there's more. But, oh, unless all New York public school teachers are biased against supply-side economics, in which case it's just sad. But the more I think about it, I'd be interested in Dr. Voodoo teaching supply-side laugher curves. Yeah, most of that went straight over my head. Hashtag Voodoo Economics. I like that hashtag, I though. I love that hashtag. Yeah. Uh, he says, maybe it's the 90s-era collector collector in me, but Spider-Man is only Spider-Man when Mark Bagley is penciling. Hashtag so good. A lot of people feel that way. I wouldn't say he's only. He's not the only, by sure, but it feels right. He is definitely going to be in the pantheon of all-time greatest Spider-Man. Absolutely. He already is. He's in there already. Grant Gregory, been reading Marvel Comics since 1989, but Ultimate Spider-Man was my first Spidey book ever in 2000. Read every book on on Spider-Man Unlimited now. Wow. Cool. Nice. Jesse Delia, uh, or Delia, apologize. I read the first seven issues in trade paperback just before Spider-Man the movie came out. Great excuse to continue the series. Thanks, Twim. Has there ever been a moment with bystanders passing by and seeing Spidey taking pictures of himself? I'd love to see that. That is definitely a story that's never been told, but that should be. Yes. JJ calls Parker's Spidey picks crap, crap in issue eight. Did this happen often, or do you think the movie borrowed specifically from this? I was wondering about that, actually, because he does it in the movie, and I know Ultimate Spider-Man was a huge influence on the movie, so yeah. I would not be surprised. Mm. I can't document that, though. Parker gets a job based on his web, no pun intended knowledge. Interesting twist. So adorable when MJ asks Peter out. If only that happened to all us nerds in high school. <laughs> well, the cool thing here was that I think they established that, you know, like Peter was kind of nerdy or whatever, but Mary Jane was not like alpha popular girl. She yeah. was, people liked her and she had friends, but she was smart and she was friends with Peter. She wore overalls. She wore overalls. So I don't think she was at the top of the, the food chain. Though. I thought overalls on girls were the best in high school. So <laughs> All right, maybe t- we have different tastes. totally disagree with you on that. Um, <laughs> I have talked to my wife about this and she's on your side. She thinks they are the worst. Um, and I'm like, whatever. Of the time. Um, and I always try to spin it that she's from a different generation, maybe in two years younger, but obviously you've just proven <laughs> that I'm just alone in this. Uh, great reading selection. The series has a great modern take on Spider-Man that is accessible for all ages. I remember the first seven issues got one of my exes into Spider-Man. S- since starting the selection, I have read through the first 16 issues in a week. Nice. Maybe reconnected with their ex. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks to Marvel Unlimited and this podcast. I have a never-ending supply of binge reading. You guys are the best. We are the best. 1,000 twin points, Jesse. And finally, uh, when can we expect the Executioner's Song on Marvel Unlimited? Haven't read in a decade because the comics are back at my folks' house. 
We need to work on this for for episode 200. Yeah. It needs to happen. Really does. We need Lock it. it in. Alex, put it on the agenda. All right. All right. Alex Jim, is actually writing it down. Wow, very yeah. cool. Good job. Jim Radloff says, I know this week's Twim ERC is Ultimate Spider-Man, but I can't wait for next wave. Breaking down with hashtag anticipation. LJ Hollywood says, do you know if we're still doing Ultimate Spider-Man, but I'd be totally up for it. Haven't read the comics yet, but the video game that was based off the comics was one of my favorite games as a kid. Did you ever play that? I never I played it. did. I don't really remember much about it. Mm. Uh, I think it was Cell Shaded, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, cool stuff. LJ continues and says, the two, bo- the two bullies wasting all that innocent food <laughs> is sadder than Peter getting bullied. That taco looks delicious. All tacos are delicious. And he says, I'd never want to throw down in a spank down fight. That's for sure. Nobody does. No. Parker's basketball jersey digits are the same as the number on the spider's back. Ah, what a coinky dink. That's pretty cool. I editorialized that one. Yeah. Is that coincidence? I like to say coinky dink. He also put a uh, tongue out emoji. emoji. Yeah. He says, I think emoji. Uncle Ben was the coolest he's ever been in Ultimate Spider-Man. I knew that was coming, but his death still had a big impact. Yeah, we talked about that a lot when we originally did this. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. That ponytail, man. Ugh, so good. Uh, like a boss. Uh, it says, volume one in the bag. Loved it. Volume two tomorrow. Hashtag, the Spidey train mm. never stops. Good hashtag. Mm-hmm. It says, the shocker is taken down like a chump, and he doesn't get to wear his signature yellow bedspread. What's up with that? That would become a recurring gag in Bendis' Spider-Man, is that every few issues he would just beat the crap out of the shocker. <laughs> and he never got to. And then I think he had, like, one issue that focused on the shocker, like, really becoming, like, an amped up villain. It was a good build. Yeah. Stromy loves that shocker, too. He sure does. Uh, LJ says, it was it was so Jake. What? Was Jake a thing back in the day? I don't think it was so Jake was ever a thing outside of Brian Michael Bendis. <laughs> and he tried to make it happen. And it didn't. Sorry, Brian. We love you. Uh, Rick Jones. I've never tried much in the Ultimate Universe. I guess it's time to take the plunge. Thanks for this week's selection, guys. Had I been into comics in my teens, I would have devoured Ultimate Spider-Man. Bendis nails the teen experience of the time. The Sumi RC pick was my first venture into the Ultimate Universe, and i got to say thanks, guys. Now I've got 15 years of comics to read. Ba-boom. I guess I'll be extending my read for this Sumi RC. That just means more time in the world that Bendis built. This is a good thing. Great picks, guys. I really enjoyed both Ultimate Spider-Man arcs for the Sumi RC. When I'm done bidding invaders, I know what's next. Awesome. Very glad to hear it. Yeah. RP67, uh, Buff Piazen67 mm. says... Um, it shows a panel and yeah, it says, so true. Yeah. Uh, it's Harry Osborne talking about high school uh, uh, and, and how Peter's going to be rich because he's going to do an internet company. And Flash is going to be nothing. Yep. He's exactly. peaked already. Exactly. Yeah, so true. Love it. Uh, he also goes, uh, does anyone know what issue has Spider-Gwen's origin? Read um, Epsv number Edge two. Edge of Spider-Verse. Oh, DSG number one. Both uh, have that one flashback. Uh, I think it's just in flashback. It's of, just flashback. That's all those, we've seen so far. She's That's only it. yeah. She's only made a few appearances. Yeah, yeah so. the only spotlights are Edge of yeah. Spider Reverse and her main book. But read Edge of Spider Reverse number two again. It's on Marvel Unlimited now. Yeah, as we mentioned. Yes. Raph A B says I'm gonna read the first full hardcover for Ultimate Spider Man hmm. in French. First ho- hardcover I bought. There you go. Peter has got red lenses on this pick. Is he secretly Cyclops or Daredevil? Both. Yeah, he's Psych Devil. Yep. He says, uh, this bus driver looks familiar. That was a great Hashtag guy. Otto. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. I love it. Uh, and he says, is a double O jersey auto- authorized in sports? I doubt that. Uh, yeah. Robert Parrish, great center for the Celtics, wore double zero for years. So definitely is. Sports. 
Sports. We cover sports on this show. Yeah, this week in sports. Uh, and he says, this panel at the bottom of the page because we had nothing else to put there. And it's the uh, spidey, spidey face. face. Yeah. Oh, so? Yeah, it looks good to me. He says, uh, I really need to check the English version to see what Spidey called the shocker because <laughs> the French version is the vibrator. That's amazing. Uh, I love every bit of That's that. nothing bad about that. Uh, Raph, make sure you tweet that to Strami as well. Please. Uh, he says, recursive loop. Yeah, computer science. And Peter got a job where he sits in an office typing on a keyboard. Like Ben. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> We're the same. Uh, pretty sure the, the Coke can sharing was the way to have an indirect kiss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I think that was from the first six issues, yeah. so I don't remember yeah. it. Daily Bugle, established 1961. Very subtle reference. Good that catch subtle. on all these Easter eggs. Yeah. He says... Dude, Electra is a totally different person. For starters, she's a girl. That was pretty good when Kingpin uh, calls Electra Electra. Yeah. Nice, nice uh, callback. Yeah. Uh, a 15-year-old kid is falling from the building. Let's go back to the party. Hashtag Kingpin party. Yeah, that was pretty good, too, uh, where he's, like, sliding down the glass and the party's just going. That was a cool sight gag. Uh, Raph continues. He says, nice reference to two main letterers of Marvel Comics. Yeah. Artie Simak and Sam Rosen in the email about the Kingpin security system. Yeah, nice nod. Good catch. Uh, he says, and the kingpin roast starts now. You're so fat when you cut yourself while shaving, you bleed marshmallows. That was tremendous. Uh, Very Bendis. Yeah. Uh, he says, Aunt May, they are 15 for Pete's sake. They're not doing dirty things. Maybe just, um, let me just say that yeah, a 15. 15's, 15's pretty old. 15, I, I, yeah. was, I was in the bone no zone. No one needs to hear about your 15-year-old <laughs> bone zone experiences, okay? That's, save that for the This Week in Marvel Max podcast. You got it. Oh, we should uh, do that one week. <laughs> We really should we would be never hilarious. be able to do another podcast again. Uh, he continues. He says, MJ, I could have been Spider-Man. Uh, no, you couldn't, but you could be a kick-ass Spider-Woman. I think that's very, uh, that's very narrow-minded. She could be Spider-Man if she wants. Why not? Oh, name's a name. She can do anything. Yes. Uh, can someone confirm that the English version has the face of Tiger? You just hit the jackpot line. It does, and I like how they use it in a different way in this one. It was hard because it was very Mary Jane character. It was like... You know, in the Marvel Universe, she's bombshell. She shows up like, hey, Vasid Tiger, you just hit the jackpot. And this, it was them kind of leaning in for a kiss and her just quietly saying it because that's more Ultimate Universe MJ. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Uh, he says, weirdest talk ever between Peter and Aunt May, hashtag birds and bees. It wasn't hmm. really that weird. I thought no, it was, it was pretty, pretty standard. Sweet. It was cool. Yeah. Um, he says, my hardcover got a Bill Jemis letter. Love the line, quote, my yes. kid left uh, left saying that a spider should bite Flash mm. and turn him into Venom. Yeah, there's still a lot of cool back matter in the uh, hardcover because that was what I read too. I have the ultimate version at home. Cool. That's what I read out of. Tom Tattersall, take us home. Actually, there's a free meal after this. Never mind. Magic. I was just about to read a load of Ultimate Universe stuff to find out about Ultimate Read for Secret Wars. So great choice. What with Thor and Better Ray Bill last time and Ultimate Spider-Man. This time, it's like you're reading my mind. Tom, though, if you want to read more about Ultimate Read, this is not the place for it. No, he is not in it at all. Uh, Ultimate FF is a good place to start. Yeah. Um, but Ultimate Doomsday, that trilogy. Yeah, that trilogy, and then Ultimates. Ultimates, Ultimates Comics, did. Ultimates. Yeah, like, it, just read Hickman's stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you just, you'll get what you need. Yeah. Uh, plus one for the bus driver wearing the Aerosmith cap. Arrow spelled A-R-R-O-W. I wonder if that was. Uh, do you remember that the book, the Aerosmith book? Sure that do. was um, Kurt Busiek and Carlos Pacheco. Right? I loved that book. Yeah, that was a good book. Wow, I wonder if that was book. a shout out to them. Uh, I love the Ultimate Universe stuff. So quick, action packed, and easy to read. Might read the whole lot. Thank goodness for Marvel Unlimited. Two more to go. W. Wayne 
Dowler, curious why Ultimate Spider-Man 1 through 6 haven't listened to pod yet, avoiding spoilers, but number 7 is including the story. See episode 95 of your podcast. And X-Men First Class, he's saying, uh, didn't we already read Ultimate Spider-Man 1 through 6, which we already see. Alex, thank you so much for including those. Would have felt yeah. very incomplete <laughs> yeah. uh, if we hadn't read those complaints. Thanks for rubbing our we, noses in it. <laughs> those complaints that we addressed over a week ago. Yeah. All right, man. What's next? We're going to do next wave. Yeah, the it's, whole thing. Let's just do it. Let's 12 issues. Drop it in. I guarantee you will want to keep reading after the first issue, and you will need to read all 12. And I think it is a need that we need to finally have the triumphant return of Nick Lowe just for the podcast. So we'll have to um, get him on in two weeks. Yes. Very. Ex- what's two weeks? That's the. Yeah, I should still be here before I go to Dubai. Second week of April. Okay. Um, I think. So, wait, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. The next month or so is going to be crazy traveling for me. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, upcoming, again, a reminder if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area mm. from uh, on March 30th, I think. That's the Monday yeah. coming up. March 30th. Uh, uh, Myself, Blake Garris, and the Wolfman, Patrick Kavanaugh, will be uh, doing a live episode of This Week in Marvel at the Isotope. Uh, you can find information about the Isotope on the Googles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of my favorite comic shops. It's going to be great. We're locking down some guests. We're going to have a bunch of people on there. It's going to be uh, very silly, very fun. Uh, we're sending a box full of stuff to give away there. and um, It should be cool. It's not going to be a regular show. It'll be... Something else. I've got some ideas about what I want to do. So it'll be neat. Hope to see you guys there. Until next time, this is Marvel, your universe.